Hey everybody, uh, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this, our 17th episode of the With Podcast. We're grateful for your uh, taking part of this conversation where we once again try and do one thing and one thing alone, wrap our head, heart, and hands around being with, with God, with others, and with ourselves. Uh, let's get to our conversation today. Um, I have a yard. It's not glamorous, it's not glorious, but it's a semi-green one. I admit from time to time, I longingly look at a couple of the neighboring yards around me and admire their quaint, Edenic yards with lush green grass that actually grows, has various colorful, manicured, and thriving plants. I also quickly convince myself the soil just over the fence is better there, far better and more conducive to giving life. (laughs) Alas, I know it's less the hand I've been dealt and more the hands they have chosen to invest to work and produce what they enjoy. But but that, that's another podcast for another day. Uh, The yard and lawn I do have, even though it might not be perfect, it still necessitates me having a lawn mower. Which, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, as I was given a new one for an early Father's Day gift. My happiness in this machine screams... Hey, how how you doing, middle-aged adult? (laughs) But I wanted a lawnmower because our current one we got used. And suffice it to say, I've used it a lot here, not taking great care of it. it. It's old, it's got some missing parts, and when you start it, it rumbles for a good bit as if it's going to explode into various pieces. And yes, to make it work properly, I do have to employ a clothespin and a rubber band. I'll let your imagination run with that imagery for a bit. I wanted a lawnmower, a new lawnmower, because the old one just wasn't as functional. Uh, I also wanted an electric lawnmower, simply because I wanted to do something to move the needle, albeit small, because I want to take care of our planet. And that was a first step that, honestly, I could afford. As I mentioned, I I wanted something more functional, lighter. I was also looking to change up how and where the lawnmower was stored. So all of these things put together brought me to this, that storage piece. I was thinking about that as I pulled out the lawnmower some weeks ago, how easily accessible it was and how foolish that seemed to me. I mean, I need my lawnmower, need it, 23 to 25 times a year tops for roughly an hour each time, and that's being generous. Let's round that up to 30 hours a year of the available 8,760 hours that are in a year. That is less than 04 percent of allotted time and space. 0.4, not 4, 0.4% of allotted time and space. And yet, I could easily access that lawnmower within a matter of seconds without any fuss or any forethought. Just boom, there it is. Ready to go, clothespin and rubber band in tow. Conversely, I waste precious time looking for or taking things down from shelves and off hooks that I use daily. For instance, I eat cinnamon every single day because my wife says I should and it helps me live a long life. I don't know why. I don't know what it does. I just do what she suggests. And every single day, I rummage around the spice cabinet looking for cinnamon, which I use every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. I wear shoes and socks most days. In fact, every day. And sometimes I go through multiple pairs of socks. And the way that they're stored in my shelf, I have to sometimes get up on a stool and look for socks and find which pair of shoes I'm going to look 
into wearing. Button-down shirts. Don't even get me started. I have to unbutton it, take it off the hook. I have to put my arm through that hole, put my arm through that hole. Then I have to button up the button down. I mean, the whole thing is a ridiculous exercise every single day. This got me thinking about other things in my life that are readily accessible that needn't be, like my anger. Now, this is not a conversation about how anger is bad and wrong and we should all pray, meditate, sit in a circle, sing kubaya together, work our way out of ever having any fervor-filled moments again, transforming ourselves to Fred Rogers suited with sweaters and slippers. Listen, God gets angry. Read the scriptures. Jesus gets angry. And we are all made in the image of God. But I'm growing to think that my anger is too accessible. It's right there. Sure, the pandemic doesn't help that I'm a little bit on the edge of myself. Anybody with me? Resurfacing of long-present stains on American society in the form of rampant racism, systemic abuse of power, and economic oppression, or just prevalent ignorance all around me. I get really angry. Just as an aside, anger is called a secondary emotion. We tend to resort to anger in order to protect ourselves from or cover up other vulnerable feelings, primary feelings, primary emotions like being afraid when we're attacked, offended, disrespected, forced, trapped, or, or pressured. Anger is like an iceberg in that only some of the emotions are visible. The other emotions exist, quote unquote, below the waterline where they aren't immediately obvious to outside observers or even ourselves. We just know the anger quickly covers up the fact that we're hurt. We might be humiliated. We might be confused. We might be scared. It's the anger that we see on top. It's the anger that initiates a physiological response. Those responses of fight or flight, they've recently added freeze to that list. Many of us, just to be honest, probably owe a survival debt to anger. Maybe not actual life survival. For me, I know I am where I am. I am pastoring involved in this church, doing this very thing, doing this podcast in some tangible way due to the fact that many years ago, Tanya and I were angry. We had other opportunities. We had alternative avenues and invitations. We could have gone other places and other cities to do other things. But we wanted so badly for something different to be done in this community, to continue to engage the person and power of Jesus Christ, his church, from the way we felt he engaged us personally and what the church had been for us personally. But that totally is another podcast for another day. I am not saying anger is bad. I'm simply suggesting anger shouldn't be that accessible. I did some research about what anger really does to us. You'll love this. Uh, seven things. Number one, an angry outburst puts your heart at great risk. Chris Aiken, an MD instructor at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine, says in the two hours after an angry outburst, the chance of having a heart attack doubles. Repressed anger, he continues, where you express it indirectly or go to great lengths to control it, is associated with heart disease. Those people were twice the risk of coronary disease than their less angry peers. Number two, anger ups your stroke risk. People who lash out and have constant fits of anger 
are three times higher risk of having a stroke from blood clot to the brain. Number three, it, wo- it weakens your immune system. In one study, Harvard University scientists found that in healthy people, healthy people, simply recalling an angry experience from their past caused a six-hour dip in levels of the antibody immunoglobulin A. I don't know what that is, but that's apparently one of the first lines of defense against infection. (laughs) Let's not be angry. Are you with me? Number four, anger problems can make your anxiety worse. I'm not going to drill into that because I think that makes sense. Number five, anger is also linked to depression. Again, not going to drill into that. I think it just makes sense. Number six, hostility can hurt your lungs. Not a smoker, you could still be hurt by your anger. A group of Harvard University scientists studied 670 men over eight years using a hostility scale scoring method to measure angle levels, anger levels, and assessed any changes in the men's lung function. The men with the highest hostility ratings had significantly worse lung capacity, which increased their risk of respiratory problems. Researchers theorized that an uptick in stress hormones associated with feelings of anger creates inflammation in the, heart, in the airways. Number seven, anger can shorten your life. A University of Michigan study done over a 17-year period found that couples who hold in their anger have a shorter lifespan than those who readily say when they're mad and deal with that anger. Paul writes about anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through, well, I'm just going to (laughs) read. Therefore, Having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Listen to that. I mean, just read down into that just a little bit. When we're angry and we let that anger sit and rest, we're giving opportunity to the enemy. Verse 28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Come on, somebody. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Pause, because I want to read two more verses, but I want to just drill down on verses 31 and 32 and the actual tangible application of that in our lives. I'm not suggesting that social media is the devil. It's a wonderful place to interact, to stay in contact with friends, to deepen existing relationships. Let people see where we are, what we're doing, even what we're eating, if you're into that kind of thing. But listen to what Paul says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe you don't need to just get away from all social media like I decided some many years ago now. But make sure you're harboring or handling it in a healthy way. 
chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, my lawnmower, I, I, I fold it up now. I move a bike that hangs on the wall under a ladder so I can get out the six-foot ladder. I set up the ladder. I climb said ladder. I pull the 53-pound lawnmower to the top of the six-foot ladder. I set it on top of the ladder to take a deep breath because it is heavy. I lift it up over my head, slide the lawnmower to the top of a shelf in the garage, an arm's length above the six-foot ladder. Then I climb back down. Then I put the ladder away. Then I hang the bike back up on the wall. Seems like a lot of work for a lawnmower, sure. Only because I'm used to being right there. But I'm finding I don't need it that accessible. How accessible is your anger? I I mean, your lawnmower. Now, may you and the way of our Christ go be with and for others as God is for and with you.